Welcome to Beatitudes, where your host, Dr. Kwamenique Sukina, will give you tools to experience wisdom in your everyday life. Listen each week as Dr. Kwamenique Sukina shares stories that will help guide your faith, perspective, and attitude in every situation. This is Dr. Sukina of Indigenous Messengers International, and here is our host. Welcome to Be Authentic, Therefore Genuine. Inspire and talk to and get a perspective on what you're going through. So I entered counseling when I was in Alaska to go in and deal with some of my stress issues I was dealing with and a lot of the grief from having just lost a grandchild. The loss of a child and a grandchild are really some of the most devastating things a person can go through. So this pain that I was in propelled me to make an honest connection with another human. Enter Maggie. Maggie was the therapist that I ended up finding in Alaska, and she truly was a gift from God. Many times I have what I call divine appointments where God places people in my path that normally might not have been there, and I'll have spiritual breakthroughs in my life and emotional breakthroughs in my life uh, as a result of this. So on my first visit to Maggie, Maggie was finding out a little bit about my background, and she said, well, Kwamenique, tell me, what, were the, what was your first toy? And I remember being a little bit agitated by that. I thought, I thought to myself, I'm here to talk about grief. Why are you asking me about my first toy? But I went ahead and I answered her as I thought, well, I'll just go ahead and, you know, she's trying to get information on me to get some background on me as a person. So I told her, I said, my first toy that I loved was crayons. And she went, oh, you, you loved art. And I said, actually, no. I said, I put the crayons between my fingers and I would have them talk to each other like they were people. I said, I remember sticking the dark color crayons, like the blue, the black, the brown, the dark purple. I put them in my left hand in between my fingers. And then I'd take the, the girl crayons were light pink, light green, yellow, the pastel crayons. And I'd put them in the other hand and they would talk to each other. And, and so I, you can see by that I was very relational. And... And she said to me, and she said, well, Kwamenique, what color were you? And I said, well, I was red. And then she said, oh, my goodness, how in the world did you survive being a red woman in the Bible Belt? And I was just, it just kind of blew my mind. I was like, oh, my goodness, I had never even realized that the male colors were dark very heavy colors, and the female colors were light, and I had identified myself as a heavy color, a strong personality. And that was really unacceptable to me in the system I'd been trained in. And I remember thinking, really thinking about that. I went home from that meeting, and I, I pondered that, and I remember thinking, how in the world did that happen? And I remember thinking, well, Maybe, you know, I always had tried to be pink. I had been in this system trying to show up as, as, as pink so that I could fit in. And I remember thinking, maybe I just stayed in the oven too long and got overbaked and became red when I really was supposed to be pink. But it was really troubling to me. And it was like fi- having this unearthed and having this information 
it was just troubling is all I can say. I was like, what am I supposed to do with this? Well, I got busy with life, busy with ministry, busy with work, busy with being a mother and a grandmother. And, and, and it kind of went to the back of my mind. I, I was able to distract myself because there were other pressing things. So it kind of fell under the surface. And about a year and a half went by, and then I relocated back to the southeast, and that wouldn't go away. I kept thinking about being red and how, and I felt bad about being red. I felt guilty. I felt shame. I didn't want anyone to know that I was red. And so I thought, I need to do something about this. I need to get delivered from being red. So I looked up some theophostic prayer counselors, and that is, those are prayer people uh, that are Christian people that pray for people, but do it from a process of praying and asking God to reveal things to you in the prayer. I found these two prayer counselors that were in a county completely far from me. So I had to ride an hour and a half because I didn't want anyone in my county or area of ministry where I was ministering to realize that I had this difficulty. So I went all the way an hour and a half away. And I remember driving there and being very nervous and very perplexed, wanting to just forget it all. And just, but I was like, it was troubling me so much. I thought, I, I really need to be delivered of this. So I got to the, the house and I walked in where the prayer counseling was going to take place. And they, you know, they welcomed me at the door. And I went in to sit down and they said, you know, well, what would you like for us to pray for you for? And I said, well... I'm really kind of embarrassed to tell you this, but I told them the story about the red crayons. And and then I said, I, I'm i really worried. I, you know, I, I'm wondering, you know, if, if being red means you're a Jezebel, because I'd heard all about that in the church as well. I was like, I don't want to be a Jezebel. That's the worst thing a woman can be. And I'm like, that must be what being red is. So I was like, I need to be delivered from being red. Or I need to know if, if it's okay for me to be red. And and one of the ladies that was there, she said, well, let, why don't we just pray? And we'll, why don't we just ask, ask God? Why don't we just ask the Lord? So just close your eyes, get comfortable, and, and, just, and just let's just pray. So we all closed our eyes. There were three of us in the room. I closed my eyes, and I prayed. And so I just said, Yeshua, Jesus, you know, um, I think I'm red. And I need to know if it's okay if I'm red. Well, I had not ever had an experience quite like this before, but all of a sudden I saw a picture, and this happens sometimes. I can see like little movies in my head when the Lord's trying to show me something, but I never had something that, that was this immediate and this vivid, and I saw just kind of, I had my eyes closed, and I just saw this little movie playing in my head, and I saw this man sitting in a chair, like a kitchen chair, in the middle of this room, and he had long hair, and he had this white kind of like outfit. And over in the corner, I saw this little girl. She looked to be about three years old, and she was over in the corner looking very, you know, guarded. And all of a sudden, the man that was sitting in the chair noticed her, and he turned around, and he said, Oh, well, hello there, little little thing, you know, little girl. Um what can I help you with? What do you need? And she was really afraid. She was kind of cowering and like, dare I ask him this question? And she said, I, can I ask you a question? And he said, well, of course you can ask me a question. He, he, I remember he threw his head back and laughed like that was so funny. You know, yeah, 
yeah, of course, I'm, I'm available. You can come to me. You can ask me. And so she kind of got herself, you know, couraged up, and she said, I think I'm red. Is it okay if I'm red? And the man threw his head back and laughed, and he said, Is it okay if you're red? Well, of course it's okay if you're red. I made you red. And if if the visual had stopped there, I might have thought, well, maybe I just made this happen, but it didn't. All of a sudden, in the visual, I saw an angel standing over to the side of the room, and he spoke to this angel, and he said to the angel, get me a rod of iron. This one's going to have a backbone that's a rod of iron. And then he tapped me on the head, and he said, catalyst. And and then I opened my eyes, and, and the two prayer counselors said, well, what happened? What happened? And I said, well, I said, I just encountered Jesus. And I said, and, and he, you know, he smacked me on the head and called me a name. And they started laughing and they said, what did he call you? I said, he called me Catalyst. And they said, oh, my, my, not only are you a red woman from the Bible Belt, you're also a Catalyst, like bless your heart. And that was the beginning from, for me of understanding my identity, who God made me to be. And I had to go home to look up the word catalyst. Actually, the, the dictionary says it's a substance that increases the rate of a chemical reaction without itself undergoing any permanent change or a person or thing that precipitates an event. So all of a sudden, I was clear and understood why I could walk in a room at times and stir the atmosphere. There might be people there that would like me or not like me, and I hadn't said a thing. I understood some things about my calling, the hope of my calling, where I had been made to be a red woman. I didn't choose that. God had made me that way, and that he was not only, okay, well, basically not only okay with that, but he made me that way. But I also had to understand quickly that even though even though God was happy with that, that the man-made mold that I'd been a part of would not be happy with that, that I would be misunderstood, I would be judged, and also be rejected, that if I really stood in what I had been called to do, I couldn't look outside of myself for that validation or, or even vindication. God was good with me being red, but that didn't mean that mankind was good with me being red. And I had to get good with being red myself. I, when you hear about the people coming out of Egypt, it took them a long time to get Egypt out of them. So although I got this identity dropped on me, many for many years, but most of my life, I'd been trying to be, you know, water down my redness and become pink. And so I had to learn how to stand in that place. And I had to first be the one that accepted that and didn't derail on myself. What does it mean by authenticity? To be authentic means we are true to who we are at the core of ourselves without pretense. We own our values and our personality, even when we're under pressure. The essence of who we are comes through. We are an honest representation of ourselves. We no longer seek outside or ex for external validation. 
or the approval of others to feel good about ourselves. Now, I'm not saying this is easy. This is not easy. I still struggle with this every day. Being an honest representation of yourself takes a whole lot of courage. We have to be comfortable in our own skin. That's what authenticity is about. Authentic people don't expect themselves to be perfect. They accept their own humanity. They admit their mistakes, and they learn from them. But remember this, that honesty is the key component to authenticity. Authentic people have to be honest with themselves and with others, even when it's difficult. Authenticity is built on the foundation of confidence, integrity, emotional intelligence, resilience, and strength of character. And your best and most effective leaders are authentic. We are drawn to authenticity. We are drawn to want to be around people who know who they are, who are comfortable in their own skin. We are drawn to that. Now, let me tell you that my experience with the color red did not end there. Many times when I have experiences with God, he will sometimes validate that for me. Like if you look in the Bible, sometimes he'll tell the children of Israel thing three times. He'll tell them and then tell them and then tell them. So sometimes when he's dealing with me in my life, he'll give me a truth and then he'll also confirm that. Well, this is what happened with the color red. Three years later, I had flown to Montana to do a training there for therapists. And it was a week-long training in a retreat setting. It was February, so it was very cold. It was like two degrees outside. But it was a beautiful place, a beautiful place. And there were 12 participants there and a trainer. I was one of the participants. We would start every day by by a meeting. We'd have a meeting with each other, and we would share. We shared our stories. We got to know each other. And when I first went, I was really afraid because I had come from this really narrow place in my spirituality, in, in my expression of Christianity, where I was really afraid to be out of the box. I was really afraid to be around people of other faith. I was really afraid because I was, I don't know what, it's just the difference, the diversity. And through my life, God changed that for me. During that time, I was still very afraid. I'm like, oh my goodness, what if I, I get there and I run into somebody that's different? And so when I went there, I was somewhat guarded in the beginning. After I got there, I became very open because I realized that we're all, all of us are human. And we're, even though we're diverse and from different walks of life, we're all part of humanity. We're a part of the human family. And in that week, I really grew to know and love these people. And they did me. We shared stories. Uh, We, at night, there was no television, no computer, no telephones. Uh, We had to have those turned off. And So it was really like going back in time, like if you're going back into the 50s. And it really made it conducive for us to to really relate and connect to one another. At night, we would sit around. There's a piano there, and we get out the music books, and we we had someone there that could play the piano, and uh, we sang songs, and we'd sit in front of the fire and play checkers and play board games. And so we did work in the daytime where we really shared deep things. And some of those things were painful. There were people there who had been through horrific abuse, sexual abuse, physical abuse, addictions. Many people had gotten through addictions and 
We'd become therapists because we wanted to be a part of the solution, not a part of the problem. We wanted to take what we had been through and use it for the betterment of humanity. And so while we were there together, we really, really got to know one another. We laughed together and we cried together. We ate our meals together. We really became a community in that short time. And in that group, there was a woman who knitted. Every day she brought her knitting with us. And it was so comforting to me to see her and hear the knitting needles. And it was sort of like having a grandmother in the room, even though she wasn't an an elderly person. Just having that there, that organic thing happening while we were doing that work. She was there building something and knitting something together while God was doing that in us. And I shared my red story. I shared with the people what had happened to me and that I had been a red woman in the Bible Belt, and and that I had tried to dumb myself down and, and make myself not who I was in order to be received and thought that that was God. I didn't realize that God had made me red. Well, the last day we were there, the, the facilitator said, what I'd like you to do today for our work is I'd like each of you to do a piece of artwork to represent exactly what this week has meant to you. You can use any type of art, any process. So I was really like, what do I do? I prayed about it. I was thinking about it. And I thought, I'm going to do an installation. An installation is a piece of artwork where you take things that are around you. You can use fabrics. You can use anything. And you make something that's representative of art. And then the people come and walk by it and look at at it. And you explain the piece, but also they also can get revelation themselves of how the piece speaks to them. So I thought I'm going to do an installation. So I started, you start that with observation. So I started by walking through the building we had been in and gathering things that had been a part of our week. I picked up the songbook, the songbook that we had used to sing. I I put that in my little bag And then I went and I realized we had been, there are healing springs, there are hot springs, and every day we had been able to sit in the hot springs. So I got a little thing, bowl, and I put some of the healing springs water in that. And then as I was walking along, I found a Hershey's Kiss that had been smashed that was laying on the floor, and I picked that up. Because you see, nothing is wasted. Just like with God. He uses all, we're his pieces of art that are walking in the, in the earth. And nothing, everything's usable. Nothing is wasted. Well, I felt drawn to go outside, even though I didn't want to in my flesh because it was two degrees. But I bundled up, put my, clothes, my coat on. I went outside and I thought, I'm just going to look and see if God speaks to me, if the land speaks to me out here to be a part of this art piece. I looked and I found a limb that had recently fallen. It was just, it was just a, the, the little an end of a limb that was small. I picked that up. I thought this will be good. And then as I was walking, I looked down and there was a movie ticket laying on the ground that someone who knows how long it had been there had dropped. And when I picked it up, it said a history of violence. That was the name of the movie. I stuck that in my little basket. And I wanted to go back in. I was like, but I kept feeling like I'm not finished. I'm not done. Something kept drawing me to stay out there. So I started kind of looking at the horizon, looking over across the land. And all of a sudden, I saw something. It was ice out there. It was so cold. I looked, and I saw something barely beneath the ice. And I thought, I wonder what that is. And I'm like, I don't have the time or the energy to go. To, and I thought, no, I've got to do that. So I went over to that little piece and I picked up a rock because I had to dig it out. And you would not believe it, guys. 
what I dug out was a red crayon. <laughs> I pulled this red crayon out. It was still in the wrapper that said red on it, and it was broken. So I took out both pieces, and I thought, God is confirming his word to me, just like he always does. So I took that red crayon and broken and put it in my little bag, and I went inside, and I went up to the lady who had done the knitting, and I said, can I borrow your knitting from my art piece? And she said, absolutely. So I went over to the corner of the room where I was going to put my art piece together. And the first thing I did was I, in the left corner, I put the, the limb and I hung, I hung the uh, knitting there because I was going to call my piece Knit in the Image of Yah. And in the middle of that, that I put um, the songbook. And then on the right side in the back, I put the healing waters. To the left, right in the middle front, I put the Hershey's Kiss that was smushed. And on the right middle, I put the History of Violence movie ticket. And in the center of the whole installation, I put the broken crayon. And so when the people came over to look at, at my piece of artwork, I once again shared with them my red story. And I told them, I said, this piece is called Knit in the Image of Yah because we are knit in the image of Yah. He knits us together in our mother's womb, and he has knit us together this week in such a miraculous way. I explained about what all the pieces meant, that the history of violence was speaking of the violence we had been through, but that God was redeeming that. He had redeemed that in our lives to become therapists and work with other people. I talked about the Hershey's Kiss, that we had used addiction, many of us, to medicate the violence and the pain in our lives. And it was smashed because God was taking control over that. And I called that the kiss of death. And then I picked up the red crayon and held it. And I said, you see this red crayon? And I told the story again about the red crayon. And I said, God was confirming to me that it's okay for me to be red. And this woman gasped and she said, your God talks to you. Later that week, later that day, I was able to go out to lunch with that woman. She had many questions to me about my God that I was able to answer to her about the Lord. God confirmed to me that day, and, and it opened a dialogue with these people. It was a profound, non-religious, redemptive experience. I simply shared my story. I've often said that the gospel message should be a message based on attraction rather than promotion. We don't have to sell God to anyone. He's not a commodity. He's not an experience. He's the creator of the universe, and he can and does speak for himself every second of every day. He's speaking. He's speaking through circumstances. He's speaking through nature. He's always speaking. If we will just, just be observant, if we will have eyes to see and ears to hear. The book of Matthew has a scripture in it. And in, it, in that scripture, it says, he who receives you receives me and receives the one who sent me. That's what Yeshua, Jesus, was saying to his disciples. Our job is to be receivable. That's it. Our job is to be receivable, to be honorable. And the first step to that is to be authentic. My desire, I don't know about you, but my desire is to be so authentic 
that I'm like the Velveteen Rabbit. If you don't know that story, read it. It's amazing. I want to be so real that when I cross the veil, the velvet on me is worn from being in life all the way, showing up to be authentically me. Thank you so much for joining me today and giving me your time because your time is valuable. And I want to tell you, if you would like to learn more about some of the resources that I have, you can go to indigenousmessengers.com. Blessings to you all. And once again, this is dedicated to my children and my grandchildren. Thank you for listening to Beatitudes with Dr. Kwamenik Sukina. Be sure to follow the show for more tools on how to experience wisdom in your everyday life for you to walk in victory with the right attitude.